Welcome everyone to the Let's Talk ICP podcast. In this episode, uh, we have Gorath Otbirk as a special guest. Gorath is the co-founder of Helix Markets, a decentralized and multi-chain exchange, remind uh, from the ground up and build on the internet computer. Helix Markets has recently won the Rising Star Award at the Crypto Valley Conference in Zug, Switzerland. First of all, congratulations, Goraz. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, well-deserved first position, uh, Helix Markets, um, running 100% on chain on the ICP. That's awesome. First, yeah, first of all, uh, please, uh, Goraz, uh, introduce yourself, uh, tell us a little bit more about your background, uh, about your story, what is your beginnings? Uh, yeah, we are so curious to know more about, about you, please. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to do so. So, I mean, originally I'm from Slovenia. Um, right now I'm living in Zurich, Switzerland. Um, yeah, my blockchain journey started like around something mid-2017. Um, so I was running a, a blockchain lab at Deloitte Central Europe. So at that time, you know, like it was still super early. We were working a lot with, um, yeah, generation one, um, uh, say ICOs and then companies that were just coming up in, in 2018. So many of the yeah, startups that I work with are not around anymore, but that, that's the nature of the business. Um, after Deloitte, um, I joined Signum Bank. Um, so there I was one of the early employees. It was a super cool experience in building a, a regulated bank that, that deals with crypto. Um, after that, uh, shortly, like during DeFi summer, um, yeah, that's where, you know, I really got bitten by the DeFi bug and said, you know, I, I want to do DeFi projects. So, um, the first startup I started was, a, a kind of, um, asset management, uh, via tokenizer on, on Ethereum. And then about one, one year and three months ago, this idea of, Helix was born, um, where we kind of got the idea to build a new type of decentralized exchange, um, basically designed it from the ground up, looked at different blockchains that we could build it on. And then we saw that, you know, Definity really fits well with what we're trying to build in, in terms of capability, in terms of, yeah, code and, and what we wanted to accomplish. And then, yeah, pretty much we started designing it for three months and now we have been building it for uh, about a year, uh, full on. Um, we're right now a team of 16 people. So we are, we're a global team. Um, we have people from Europe, um, Asia. Um, yeah, kind of just like the, the typical crypto <laughs> decentralized team. So, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, nice, nice story. And uh, how did you start in 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 general in in the crypto world? And how did you um, know about the Internet Computer Protocol exactly? So, um, I mean, I, I came across the Internet Computer Protocol like back in I think twenty eighteen, right around the time when they did the ICO. I thought it was like a um, you know super interesting technology or description of the white paper. But then they went like you know silent. Uh, for about two years just building right so you, you couldn't hear much about the project mm -hmm. and then um, 
when I was at, at uh, Signum Bank, uh, kind of Definity started coming out more and more. And then um, that was the time when, when I also said like, you know, we, we should look into uh, Definity to maybe have it as a service offering so that, you know, banking customers can, can purchase ICP or stake ICP uh, directly in their, their bank accounts. So yeah, that was kind of when I started to get more and more familiarized with it. I thought it was like super novel, like much different than anything else out there. You know, just like most of the blockchains are synchronous. Definity was a synchronous and all this um, stuff that we can, we can build, you know, combining, um, yeah, pretty much consensus with computational power and storage and just being able to do with smart contracts, what you cannot do on, on, on other chains. I thought that was like an amazing proposition. And um, yeah, a lot of new use cases can can be built on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the cases is exactly Helix Markets. Uh, <laughs> what is exactly Helix Markets? What is your value pro proposition? So basically Helix Markets, um, yeah, when, when we started with, with the idea about Helix Markets, we said, you know, let, let's have a clean slate on how an exchange should look. So we just pretty much said, if we're not limited by any technology or anything, how would we build an exchange? And then we said, first of all, yeah, it, it should be non-custodial. So this is like something that we strongly believe in that, you know, most of the bad experience in, in with centralized exchanges has been because they're mostly like a black box. So whenever you send funds to a centralized exchange, yeah, they land in some sort of hot wallet and they get moved to cold storage or some other Omni account. But basically you, you can't see where the assets are, what's going on with the assets. It's, it's not on chain, you, you don't know what is there. So, I mean, but on the other hand, the user experience is really nice. So when you trade, it's like the trading experience is much nicer than you know, going through a DEX, getting all the confirmations, smart contract interactions, you know, maybe being rugged and then the fees are much lower as well. So we said, okay, the, the basis of it is, is the funding layer and the funding layer needs to be completely um, decentralized and under user control. And this is what IC enables us to do is basically that, you know, via uh, our canister smart contracts, we can connect them directly with the user identities. That's also another nice feature of, of the Definity blockchain is the internet identity, which is the identity tied into the blockchain. So, Kind of very very nicely works together the authentication system with the funding system um so and then on top of that we were evaluating like can we bring sort of the order book matching engine on chain or or at least to a degree that it works together with the chain initially and then in the future also fully on chain so that was kind of the the design parameters we had like our first design was just to have uh, I think we started by building, uh, it would be one canister would be the whole exchange. So it would hold all the funding logic, the matching engine, plus um, all the front end. So we would be spinning up for every pair, like, you know, hundreds of little small exchanges. Um, we saw that that might be architecturally very difficult first, like to manage and then also to upgrade. So then we decided on a, on a different structure where right now, the funding layer is completely on-chain and, and um, yeah, works across many different uh, blockchains. 
So right now we have an integration of uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, obviously IC. Um, we, we completed the integration of Aster. We have some other integrations in the pipeline. Um, and the matching engine is sitting on top of that. The matching engine right now works as an off-chain sequencer, but we're also starting like this um, lighthouse project, um, which we hopefully like, you know, we need to do first a little bit more research, but then within the next, yeah, 12 to 16 months or 18 months, uh, have the full matching engine also on-chain and being similarly performant as, as it can be with an off-chain version. So right now with our off-chain matching engine, we're like fully optimized. We can run about 100,000 transactions per second. If we compare this to any on-chain system, you know, we, we could get up to 1,000 now, but anything below like 20,000 would, would be, um, yeah, performance would suffer greatly. So that's kind of what we're looking to achieve with this with the second kind of long-term vision then to get the matching engine on-chain at a very, very high performance. Mm -hmm. yeah, and also I'm fascinated about the, uh, as you mentioned before, the multi-chain is truly natively multi-chain uh, DEX on, on ICP. Uh, the good thing here, the, the, the answer here is about uh, the bridge middleware. You don't need uh, bridges, it's without the need of bridges or middleware. Helix can transact directly on, on each chain. And how, how Helix works exactly? I read a little bit about the ECDCA to sign transactions. I did yeah. the same uh, in, in Bitcoin. And also like uh, I read like 85% of the total crypto market uh, release on, uh, relies on the ACDCA. And also yeah. the second thing, uh, the second key point is a chain key ECDCA, right? Yes. Yeah. Explain us a little bit more about how Helix works and what is this these concepts. Yeah, sure. Um, so this was also, you know, if you go back to the first question, like one of the things where when why we decided to build on Definity was exactly because we were looking at, you know, what is the one commonality between all the blockchains? It's not the bridges that everybody's building, and it's not like going layer seventeen or something. You know. It's like the one commonality between all blockchains is cryptography and, and blockchains are able to talk to each other in a cryptographic way if enabled. So that's like really more, more the glue than building a smart contract on one chain, building the other, uh, the smart contract on the other chain and minting the same assets on both chains and having this unsecure middleware. And then you also need an Oracle and, and whatnot, like a lot of, you know, third party software that just kind of slows you down, makes everything super cumbersome and, and expensive, right? So we saw the potential in IC with first like with chain creek cryptography. So that is, I would say like one of the most underrated things that nobody talks about on, on the IC is actually that the, you know, private key handling is done by the blockchain itself. So if you look at how everybody else does custody, either be it, you know, Ledger or, or other providers, they would have, a HSM unit or some, some sort of a cold storage unit, or you need like a piece of paper where you write down the seed and, and then you can recover your private key from that seed. Whilst, you know, here the private key is secured by the subnet. So pretty much you take the custodial approach where you don't need hardware anymore, but where you use the blockchain to secure the private key material. And this private key material is never disclosed to the user. So basically the security aspects 
are not the user needs to take this piece of paper and protect it with his life and put it in a safe and slice it somehow that if it's in two safes it's even harder to get to but the user really needs to take care of right now only about his internet identity and the logon as, as the main worry that was the one thing like i think you know in the future um other chains might replicate this but i think this is where the direction where custody is going that the, the blockchain itself can secure private key material and then you know you have social recovery or other mechanisms on top of that where the users can securely manage their identities but don't have to worry about the private key material anymore um the second one is like the combination of how these two work together is threshold ecdsa so as you mentioned like if if you look at the uh cryptographical signatures that that yeah 80 percent of blockchains use so bitcoin uses ecdsa ethereum uses ecdsa all evm chains use ecdsa so pretty much you know 80 percent of all crypto market cap is using uh ecdsa signatures so for us like the you know the core thing is we can create by using chain key and threshold ecdsa signatures um first addresses for our users which are segregated and they control via our canister smart contract on any chain so basically this was the hardest thing actually to explain to everybody when when you said yeah we create an address on ethereum from our definity smart contract for our user right sorry but where's the bridge there is no bridge well how, how does this work without a bridge so like our smart contract is basically talking to all the ecdsa chains out there or potentially could if we do all the integrations and then the second thing is we can create transactional payload. So basically we create the transaction hash, the signature, and then we can propagate it to the network. And this transaction gets settled and mined then in, in Ethereum block, in, in the Bitcoin block, or we just do it natively on the IC. So that's kind of like how we can um, pretty much be much, much more efficient than any, any other exchange out there because we put all this business logic of what an exchange does and put it into smart contract code and this is where we like to say no code is law so for us code should run everything and we should be as hands-off as possible so that the, the user has is in maximum control of everything and we just provide the infrastructure which runs um yeah all the the funding uh and trading yeah and in terms of founding the liquidity native native liquidity how helps to bring native liquidity from other uh, chains into the IC ecosystem? You mentioned more or less the technical aspect, but why a user uh, want to use Helix instead of the traditional ones? Or is it also like there, a- Yeah, there, there can be multiple use cases. So, you know, some people might prefer just to trade Bitcoin, so native Bitcoin. So right now, if, you know, we list Bitcoin, you can potentially trade with 19.35 million Bitcoin that's been minted so far on Helix. You're not kind of constrained to any wrappers or anything. But if your preference is, I want to trade Bitcoin super fast, cheaper, then you would use CKBTC. And if you want to go between the two, so if you want to switch between real Bitcoin and CKBTC, you can do this on Helix as well. We have a trading pair where you can just uh, exchange uh, CK for for native and I think like the you know obviously there's the advantages of the reverse gas model are clear so you know even once we have CK ETH versus ETH like an average transaction on Ethereum costs somewhere between two to five dollars right now maybe if if you 
get into the wrong timing when something uh, is happening with the market, then you might go up to 20 or $30. Same with Bitcoin, like we saw with ordinals, the, the average transactional value jumped to something like $30 uh, for an extended period of time. And that's not like really where you want to deal with Bitcoin if you do a $500 transaction and you pay $30 in transaction fees. So I think that's kind of like the advantage then using IC, you have a fixed transfer fee that you would be paying and it's much faster and efficient than if you use like a CK version than, than the native one. So it, it depends on your use case, but then you can use liquidity in different ways on the IC or for, for whatever business that you, you want to do or any, any type of you know, lending markets or anything else. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, sounds, sounds super uh, disruptive and super interesting, <laughs> honestly, like, that's, that's amazing. Um, also, yeah, I, I was reading the manifesto that you have, similar to the Nike manifesto, right? <laughs> but more uh, focusing on the blockchain, on, on Helix markets. You have five points, right? Five important points here. Is uh, security, uh, just in a nutshell, okay? Security, transparency, cutting edge technology for everyone. Code is law, as you said before and also multi-chain integrations to bring the liquidity uh, for the mass adoption of DeFi, ICP. Um, why these, these five points? And yeah, if you want to share with us something about your manifesto. Yeah, sure. I mean, like you said, so th these are things that are kind of important for us that we think also, you know, Helix users will appreciate. Um, I mean, you know, like I think the self-custody and, and uh, segregation of ownership between you know the exchange is the infrastructure, but the asset is owned by the user is super important. Like we saw, you know, last year with FTX or, or some of the other exchanges, when you know things go wrong, like you basically get uh, a message: system is going into maintenance mode or, or something similar. So. <laughs> Pretty much the next thing you get is, is a lawyer from a letter from a lawyer stating these are your assets on this exchange. We're in the process, blah blah blah. And seven years down the line, you know, might be like same as the Mount Gox situation. You might get your assets back or not, depending on how much of them they burned through uh, in, in in this time. So that's why I think like this this you know kind of arm's length approach to not ever touching user assets and just providing the infrastructure that enables like fair and transparent trading is super important and i, I think right now like everybody has been no we, we will just convolute touch user assets you know use it for farming whatever you know it's just kind of i think it's wrong for us it's super clear what what we want to do we we provide this infrastructure the user is always in control and and our business model is clear we we just take transaction fees and nothing else. We, we never, you know, kind of use user assets and put them in a farm or yield farm or, or you know, do a perpetual whatever. We don't use user liquidity for anything. The user liquidity is always there. You know, our proof of reserves, it's not like we need auditors. Everybody can just go on chain and check how much is there. You know, it can be done in two minutes. And, and like I mentioned, you know, we're always looking for latest tech that we can use. How can we push the boundaries of things that people said are not possible to do? We just, yeah, want to try and then go a step further whilst, you know, keeping the product as simple as possible on, on uh, let's say, on the front end side. 
but you know have a highly complex system running in the background but the user experience should always be easy the user should never be burdened by technology he should enjoy it right rather than have to suffer through it exactly you know the user experience is, is super important and the the wallets how it works exactly we have uh, different wallets uh, on icp uh, Customers needs to uh, create the ICP wallet on Plug, uh, Stoic, uh, Bitfinity, or it's directly integrated with other wallets like MetaMask or other protocol wallets. How it works exactly? So right now, I mean, this was one of the design choices that, that we had at the beginning. Um, we were thinking either about integrating different wallets, but then we have the problem because if we integrate, let's say, um, an existing IC wallet like Plug or Bitfinity, or if we integrate MetaMask, it does not support, MetaMask does not support Bitcoin. It does not support any IC asset and vice versa. So you're always caught with what do we do on other chains because it only supports one chain and we'd like, need like at least three wallets from every user that he would need to log on to, which would make it very complicated and very integration heavy on that end. So we just said, look, we'll just create wallets for users. They should be segregated. The user will control it. And then at a later stage, we will start with the wallet integration so that the user's funding wallet can be also his primary wallet from which um, he uses it. But right now we're completely wallet agnostic. So you can deposit into your funding wallet from any arbitrary wallet that you use. It might be, you know, plug, MetaMask, um, a Bitcoin wallet, Wallet Connect. It can be from an exchange wallet. So it's, it's completely up to you, right? We don't, you know, kind of, predetermine any wallets that, that, that we have, but then later on, yeah, we will integrate with some wallets to make the flow even better, but we need to figure out this multi-chain aspect of it. So how do we switch chains and that the wallet can support different chains as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, also like focusing now on the ownership and transparency. We mentioned different uh, features about the Helix markets on chain mm -hmm. transparency. You said like uh, the proof of reserves is always on chain. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the users uh, are in, in full control of their assets. Helix cannot touch any deposit or withdrawal and cannot delay or block any user deposits. Uh, the third one, Helix doesn't touch user funds as you mentioned before. Uh, cannot earn interest, but treasuries lend out borrows or user for the trading activities. That's fine. Um, I'm now uh, curious about the other features, the Lightning Fast Order Book Machine engine that you mentioned before, uh, the high frequency trading, and another mm -hmm. technical aspect, the WebSocket and REST API connectivity. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, th this is basically, uh, we have, like I said, we have the matching engine that works together with the funding layer. So they, they are both synchronized. So the, the matching engine is also something that, that we build ourselves from scratch. Um, it, it's an order book matching engine, just because we thought, you know, looking at what is the most efficient way to trade. Um, we compared both the AMM model and the order book model. So yeah, the AMM model is much more efficient if you have, you know, two relatively stable assets or at least the same assets. So, you know, an example would be if you are trading um, CK BTC versus BTC, then an AMM is actually more efficient than, than an order book. Or if you're trading 
the USDC, USDT pairs, then again, an automated market maker is more efficient. But we saw that most of the assets that you know, we will be listing are assets which have a high degree of volatility. So there, you know, the order book is a better system to, to facilitate trading and, and more efficient for the user. So you know, instead of having extremely high slippage, uh, you have potentially very tight spreads and and uh, you know you can you can trade yeah with with better efficiency even if you're doing smaller trades or don't have like deep liquidity in your order book you you still won't get burned uh, as badly as you might with an AMM so that that's why we went with an order book approach um, we have basically in the background we have a WebSocket API through which uh, you can connect your account so if you want to trade programmatically on Helix. You get your uh, basically your WebSocket key and authentication. You can just connect to any endpoint and pretty much run your bots. So, one of the the features that we're looking into were also you know open source market making bots or trading bots. So, you know anybody can build their bot on Helix if they want to. So, if you want to provide your own liquidity, you have like a a bot that you can configure yourself and just trade with that or be your own market maker. So you don't you know, have to have a third party, but you can use the, the open source stuff that we're providing. So we have um, in our alpha testing, we have our own bots that we built that, that provide liquidity right now. So they will be open sourced and free for everyone to use. If they deem efficient, they can just spin up their own bot and, and use it. Mm -hmm. Nice and yes, as, as also you, you mentioned before, the slippage in the DEX exchanges. This is something uh, that I'm not sure Helix how is going to address this problem because uh, I saw before in a lot of DEX that okay, if your order is like fifty dollar, yeah, you can match it immediately and without not slippage or maybe uh, like a small fees. But you order like maybe you want to buy CKBTC or want to buy another token like more than yeah, maybe five thousand, ten thousand dollars, like immediately. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw before, like if you try to expend ten thousand dollars, then you receive the equivalent or eight thousand or seven thousand, and you just losing on this transaction like almost 30 40 percent of the, the money, right? And this is something like for sure in the text is not happens in the centralized exchanges, the, they have uh, other disadvantages, but this is one advantage. How Helix markets try to address this problem? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, sure. I'm happy to answer that. So, you know, one, one of the ways that we are addressing this is via native liquidity. So as, as we discussed before, you know, there is, I think, yeah, something like a couple of hundred million of Bitcoin is running on Ethereum. And then, you know, then with every EVM chain, this liquidity keeps breaking further and further. So, you know, you get to chain X, you have maybe, you know, a couple of million in, in these bridged assets that you have to trade for the whole DeFi ecosystem. And obviously like with a couple of million TVL locked on chain, you will not get efficient trading. So that's why native liquidity. So access to native liquidity is so important that, you know, you, you can access, you know, the all of Bitcoin, all of Ethereum, any other chain that we support, all of the IC, um, and the second, the second thing is we will work with market makers, so they will provide liquidity or, or you know, for pairs that, that they want to support or, you know, projects can, can talk and bring their market makers directly. So we will kind of facilitate the dialogue between the two if needed. 
and and help out so that you know uh, each project that's listed or each protocol that has you know sufficient liquidity for for people to do yeah let's say decent sized trades so i mean you know even looking at the marketplace today it's pretty much only binance's books are are quite liquid everybody else you know even other centralized exchanges you don't get good rates or or you have high slippage on the amms particularly yeah there it's even worse i guess in most situations where you say like $50 and then you pay $5 transaction fee and then you suffer another $10 in slippage it's like not not a good trading experience if from the $50 you end up with rate $30 in in, in your wallet no exactly yeah it's, it's something like uh dex needs to uh, improve and i think felix markets uh, through the native liquidity can address this problem um yeah now tell us more about the the price the startup competition in in took in in switzerland um yeah it's it's really nice the the price that you won um yeah tell us a little bit more please um, yeah, sure. So um, there's an annual conference in Switzerland, which is the, the CVVC conference. Uh, it's held once a year. And basically we saw there was a call for, um, for a startup competition. Um, yeah, like we just pretty much, we, we applied. There was nothing special to it. So we wrote about a little bit about Helix. I think there was over 100 um, startup entries. Uh, we got selected to the top 10. And then um, on the day of the conference, we had a pitching competition so with, with 10 other startups. And, and they were like, this was like really, really good startups. It was not something like very early stage, but um, they've been uh, yeah, around a bit longer than, than Helix has uh, a lot of them already live. So very, very good, good founders. Uh, yeah, really good pitching. Um, and, and then we won in the category of rising star. So kind of, yeah, the, the new kid on the block. So we were super happy about that. Uh, yeah, it was a great conference. We we're also you know, able to present Helix for two days, talk to a lot of people, uh, make new acquaintances. Yeah, it was, was a really good experience all in all. Like we're super happy uh, about how it turned out. Nice, yeah. And then the, the pitching day was like with uh, VCs and investors, you have a... Uh... Uh, or, yeah, there were some VCs in, in, in the jury, um, also in the crowd, yeah, and then you just pretty much as in every conference, once it's finished, then you talk to everybody <laughs> briefly. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, that's awesome. And uh, uh, another thing is, like, as you mentioned, is your, it's not live now, it's in alpha testers. Tell us more about this. Uh, now users can enter into the Helix markets or some people or what is exactly? Yeah, sure. Um, no, so we, we, we kind of asked our, our Discord community for a little bit of help. So basically, yeah, we've been in, in lockdown mode and building for one year. So, you know, you kind of get blind to your own app in, in a way. So you, you, you get so caught up in details, you don't see, see the big picture anymore. So what we wanted to do with Alpha was two things. So um, battle tested on, on potentially real users. So we, we, we invited 50 uh, Alpha testers to help us out. They got early access to Helix. Um, I think the Alpha has now been live for about three weeks. They, yeah, um, we received like really good feedback and recommendations on how to further improve 
there was a lot of bugs that the users caught. So the team was fixing these bugs um, and then we're building like a lot of the features that the users requested. We're, we're building them now into our uh, beta release. Um, so the beta is gonna be open. So actually anybody that wants to use it will be able to use it. Um, we'll just need some to drop some testnet tokens on you, but no, it was a really great experience. We had, you know, super constructive feedback, very detailed, like users broke it apart. It, it also yeah, broke, but we fixed it again. So all in all, it was, it was like great, uh, great experience. And it really helped us in, in like, you know, feature selection and, and what we need to do to make the app even better in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, and what is now the, the for the this 2023, the third uh, quarter and the fourth quarter, um, mm -hmm. in terms of future plans, what is the roadmap? Where are you now and which plans do you have for, for the near future? Sure. Um, so right now, um, it's pretty straightforward what, what we're doing. Um, we're just finalizing the final features of Helix, so kind of version one. Um, after we, we, we get code complete and feature complete for version one, we start about two, two and a half months of uh, intense code auditing. Um, and then after, you know, we finish all the code auditing processes, then um, we will release the, the live version. So we, we switch from all the test nets onto mainnet. Although on IC, we're actually on mainnet already. We're just using um, tokens that we created. So ICRC ones that we created was on, on Bitcoin and Ethereum. We're running on testnet, but that's, that's kind of like a minor switch. So it's not like a major switch to go mainnet. Um, yeah, and, and from there, we just start building uh, version two and features for version two and, and yeah. Hope we we get a big community of, of users and passionate traders who want to use Helix and, and see it as a viable alternative to to DEXs and to centralized exchanges, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of course, to get the mass mass adoption. And uh, are you collaborating now with other ICP projects? I saw a couple, uh, yeah, I think yesterday, uh, a collaboration with Hot or Not. And uh, are you yeah. working also with uh, other projects? Tell us more about this collaboration. Yeah, I mean, like we're, we're happy to partner with really cool projects on the IC. So in terms of listings and, and uh, other initiatives, so can disclose everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a small ecosystem and, and it's cool to work together. And, you know, most of the projects, we also know each other. So um, I think the only way to grow as an ecosystem is actually if we do things together. So it's not uh, kind of every every project for itself, but it's like let you know, kind of see how we can help each other grow and then do things together. Yeah, no, joint forces is pretty important in and more in ICP ecosystem, right? Because we have strong DApps, strong projects, and and we can join and and get the best things for other projects and including in into your your project. I think is is also the key to elevate even more uh, and get more uh, users, of course. And the um, another thing is uh, about the the team, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned you are three co-founders. Are you planning to uh, grow more now, or is not your priority? Are you trying to get more uh, developers involved to help you? Uh, for the roadmap or by now is three of you are perfect? 
Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's just, uh, no, it's not just three people. We're actually, like, in total, we're 16 people. So we have, like, a really um, a cool team of, of developers. Um, and, yeah, we will probably, um, as, as we go closer to go live, um, we'll need to grow a team a bit um, just because, you know, we, we need to go uh, 24 seven. So the application is going to be always up. So we don't have working hours or anything similar. So we just need to make sure that, you know, we can guarantee um, the service and, and, you know, reliability of, you know, uptime of near 200%. Um, in, in, in terms of, yeah, the team, as I mentioned, for us, like really, you know, we, we go by the principle code is law. So what we did is, yeah, pretty much automated all the business logic of an exchange and, and it, it's running more or less in code. So we don't need a team of 500 people, you know, even though if we have like one user or 10 million users, it will not matter because the, the technology is running everything. No. So we are pretty much yeah close to where we need to be um in, in terms of size mm -hmm. and um are you receiving some support for example for the foundation for the affinity or uh, with other uh, investors or, or it's not your, um i mean we, we yeah we, we received um two grants from the foundation though they were super helpful um early on to yeah to help us bootstrap um then yeah we we all ask a, a whole bunch of questions on, on on the forum so it's obviously like as you start working with the internet computer it has a high learning curve uh, i think it's like the first six months is always how do i do this how do i do that how does this work so uh after that it gets kind of like very very natural um but yeah i mean foundation has been great like the developer experience has been also super cool so you you get your your uh, questions answered like within the same day and and usually by the people building the protocol so it's, it's like you know super cool um it, it helps to go fast like it really does so for us it's been a really good experience mm -hmm. nice yeah thank you uh, Gorats. Uh, just for finish the conversation i would like to um, know more about your knowledge on the internet computer and okay. the projects and apps uh, as always normally i try to uh, understand more about founders and if they use their funds to their projects or, or also for other projects and <laughs> grow the ecosystem uh, are you eight years young are you you have I assume you you have the NMS uh, internet identity, but you are staking uh, ICPs for eight years. Uh, yeah, uh, not not for eight years. I am staking, but not eight years. Um, so I, I do have like about five NNS wallets. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I also do have a bunch of NFTs. Um, so like I have. I think the uh, what were Definity Punks, the Motoko Ghost. I have a whole bunch of um, poke bots. Um, so yeah, I, was, I think a lot of the early collections I was I was um, yeah just buying in. So I have a lot of uh, these these uh, early NFTs from the ecosystem. Nice, yeah. And the what is it that that you use normally, like in your on your daily basis or more frequently? Um, I mean, obviously, like we, we use a lot, 
uh, of, of the NNS, but that's just because it's like core infra. So yeah, NNS is the one that I use the most, I would say. But then also um, I use open chat, discover, um, yeah, check out uh, Entrepo, Yumi, um, checked out hard or not. Like I really like that app, but it's too addictive. So <laughs> I try not to, to use it too much. Um, yeah, it's kind of just try out everything that comes, you know. Oh yeah, I also use um, the Bitfinity wallet, use like um, Sonic um, and I use the ICDEX. So yeah, try it all out. I think it's always a good good way to try everything out and then see how it works, you know. Nice, yeah, yeah. You track traction and use a lot of different apps. It's amazing. And uh, in your opinion, what is the the most underrated project or the project that you think is going to be rocketing and maybe be the killer app? Uh, uh, Elix Markets, but uh, another yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I like, I really like the potential of Hot or Not. It's it's like a super nice app and it's got like, you know, uh, kind of very, very high level of loyalty and stickiness. Uh, also, I really like Fintrest as, as kind of a project that, you know, can, can use some of the same tech that we're using to offer lending from, you know, native liquidity on, on the IC and create new ways, like how you can build lending markets. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And just to finish, um, do you have any any person or someone like for you is like a, something special on the ecosystem that you learn a lot or you, you think is like a, like a hero <laughs> or, or someone special for you, like you learn a lot or, yeah i mean there's a lot of yeah people posting cool stuff um i think there's a lot of passion beyond say there's like anybody particular that would i mean i follow a lot of people on twitter obviously and then read their stuff but i, I can't single anybody out but you know it's just um i think a lot of people a lot of people produce amazing content and it's like super good to read mm -hmm. cool okay nice gorath hosbirk uh the special guest today of helix markets Thank you so much for your time. Um, not sure if you want to uh, finish with your last talk or the... Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, just if anybody's interested, we'll be releasing our open beta soon. Um, so if anybody wants to try it, it's going to be open for everyone. So yeah, just all you need is your internet identity and then you're pretty much good to go. And then you just drop us a message and we'll drop some tokens on you. Nice, Gorats. Yeah, Helix Markets, one of the biggest uh, projects or promises projects on ICP. Uh, soon they will be launched and it will be amazing. Thank you so much and congrats again, Gorats, for your prize and good luck. Thank you. Here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, take care. See you soon. Bye. Bye bye.